Welcome to the Taproom Post Net Podcast. I am Delta Zero Four, and we will be covering the Nets topic of the week. Welcome, y'all. I am Delta Zero Four, located in the Redoubt of the South. This is Tapron Postnet Podcast, episode 14 10. Every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern, Tapron has an amateur radio HF net. The primary purpose for the net is to promote self reliance and preparedness in all aspects of modern life. The goal of the net is to share and disseminate information that can help everyone achieve individual independence and self reliance. During the net, we'll have a topic of the evening, so this podcast is a summary of the combined knowledge our check-ins share during the Tapron Nets. If y'all have questions about Tapron, feel free to go to the following website, www.amron.com. Phonetically, that's www.alpha-mike-romeo-romeo-oscar-november.com. In the beginning of this year, the Amron Group and Tapron Group merged, so you can find Tapron information, including the net schedule and frequency, at the Amron site. All right, let's take a quick break, and then I'll provide y'all a net check-in report, and then we'll finally cover the August 10th Tapron Net topic. And we're back. For August 10th, 2014, Tapron had a total of 39 check-ins from the following states. Five each from Georgia and Kentucky, four each from Florida, South Carolina, and Virginia, three each from New York, North Carolina, and Michigan, two from Ohio, and one each from the following states, Wisconsin, Texas, Maryland, Indiana, Alabama, and Minnesota. Thanks, everyone, for checking in. Before we cover our topic, I have two announcements. First, we now have a Taprin Digital Net. It's on the first and third Sunday of the month, the same week as the Amron Nets. It's at 0000 Zulu, or 8 p.m. Eastern, on 7.078 plus 1200 using Contestia 4 slash 250. The net control station is in Virginia. Check the Amron.com local nets page for more information. Second, Shelby, North Carolina is having a big ham fest the last weekend of August. If you happen to be in the area and have some time, I've heard this is a very good ham fest to attend. This week, we had two topics. The first topic covered generator safety in a grid-down situation, and the other topic was about scanners. During a grid-down situation, quite a few of us will be turning to generators of various types for alternative power. Besides being a bit noisy, generators are wonderful. Obviously, keeping up with the maintenance is very important, but even more important is the safety required while connecting and operating generators. Now, I'm not talking about the backup generators that some folks have that's already permanently connected to the house and automatically kicks on as soon as the main grid power goes down. If you have one of those types, 
man, oh man, congratulations on your investment. Those are awesome. What I'm referring to are the portable types. Y'all probably know the routine. Whenever the power goes out for an extended amount of time, you carry it or roll it out of your shed or garage, put some fuel in it, connect it to whatever you want to power, and crank her up. So let's take a few minutes to cover suggestions and advice from the taproom check-ins. There are a couple of different ways you can operate a portable generator. You can plug items directly to it, like most folks do when they are camping or tailgating at a sporting event or even doing an annual field day. As long as you keep up with the regular maintenance and read your specific generator's user's manual, that's not too tricky. The other way you can operate a generator is to use your house wiring by connecting the generator to an outlet of your house. It can safely be done, but there are some precautions that need to be taken when operating this way. Now, some of y'all may be new to this and are wondering how do you use your house wiring and hook up a generator to a house outlet? Simply put, you have a breaker for that outlet and use a male-to-male cable to connect the generator to that outlet. Depending on the size and type of generator you have, some can hook up via 110-volt plugs, like a regular household electrical outlet, and others can hook up via 220-volt plugs, like the kind electric stoves and dryers use. There's more to it than that, so just make sure to read your user's manual, and remember, YouTube is your friend. One safety device a check-in mentioned is good to have is what he called a mechanical generator breaker interlock. Basically, this device makes it impossible to have both the main power breaker and the generator breaker on at the same time. It costs between $55 and $75 depending on your breaker panel type, and you can get it at National Ram Electronics, and that website is www.natramelec.com. And I'll provide a link on amron.com for that specific site. Another check-in mentioned having a critical load center for their house. This allows you to only have certain circuits throughout the house to be operational via the generator, so it keeps the loads down to what the generator can handle. For instance, some folks may only be interested in having their well pump running and a few lights, so those may be the only circuits they have operational when the generator is connected. Another example is where a generator may not be able to run an entire multi-story house House, but the critical load center is set up to where someone can run either the upstairs or the downstairs. Bottom line, there are various ways you can set up what a generator will run, and that's a decision you and your family will need to make beforehand. One of the two absolute important safety concerns to remember is to disconnect the main power before hooking up your generator to your house. Even though the main power is off, you need to go to the main breaker or transfer switch box on the outside of your house and physically shut it off by throwing the switch from on to off. This will do two things. It will prevent a major mishap with your house and your generator just in case the power comes back on when you don't expect it. It will also allow the commercial power crews to work near your area while the power is down. One check-in mentioned that even though you turn off the main grid power at your main breaker, there's still some juice flowing to the commercial power crews end while they're working in your area due to the neutral wire. But the good news is they have protocols in place and even when the power is down, they still treat all wires as being hot. And folks, that's not a bad advice for us to follow either. The other absolute important 
important safety concern to remember is to not operate your generator inside your house. Along those same lines, try not to place your generator near a window or door where the fumes can still get into the house. Don't forget those hot summer days where you might have open windows because your generator might not be powerful enough to handle the loads of your house air conditioning unit. So y'all keep that in mind. Getting into a little more details, there were some more suggestions from the check-ins. First, keep in mind to properly ground your generator before plugging anything to it, and make sure that ground is a good solid connection. You don't want to be away when a slightly loose ground connector is accidentally knocked off by a storm or a curious animal. Again, read through your user's manual when it comes to properly grounding your generator. Another good suggestion is to let your generator cool down before you refuel it. One check-in suggested doing a practice run of items you want to run with your generator. For instance, microwaves and other high-tech items are kind of sensitive to what some refer to as dirty power like your generators produce. So it's good to know ahead of time what your specific generator can and cannot run. And last, remember to start up your generator every once in a while to make sure everything is working properly. The other topic we quickly discussed was scanners and whether to have a digital trunking or analog scanner or both. All sorts of various models were discussed, from the Radio Shack 195 Digital to the B25 and Patrolman Analog to even the GRE models and even the Beofang HT. Quite a few check-ins have digital trunking scanners because their specific county emergency services have changed from analog to digital. A few check-ins stated their county still uses analog. It was interesting to hear one check-in said most of the county switched to digital trunking, but their dispatch is still analog. And some counties might be currently running digital trunking, but guess what? Their backup could very well still be analog, so keep that in mind. And don't forget, if your county is currently analog and then one day, poof, you no longer hear anything? Don't get discouraged. It's very possible that they've switched to digital trunking. Yes, that does require a different type of scanner, but before you go off and buy one, one check-in suggested using a website called www.radioreference.com to look up your county for the latest frequency information. And even if your county has been using digital trunking for a while, it's good to check a website like Radio reference to make sure that you have the most up-to-date information in your scanner. Counties have been known to change their digital trunking frequencies. A couple of other good points. When it comes to receiving, when it comes to scanners, it's no different than a ham radio. The better the antenna, the better you are going to be able to receive. For instance, if you want to just scan your county, you can definitely get by with a handheld scanner and the rubber ducky antenna that comes with it. But if you are interested in scanning information in surrounding counties, it might be a good idea to get an outside antenna. For example, a discone antenna. Another good point that was made, just because your county has digital trunking doesn't mean that your surrounding counties have digital trunking. So consider doing your research to figure out what type of scanner you need to monitor the areas you are interested in receiving information. Whether it's figuring out how to safely run your generator in a grid-down situation or deciding on the type of scanner you need, while it might be slightly dull and tedious, internet research is important. That and getting helpful advice from family and friends. Remember, y'all, we are not alone in this journey of improving our ability to be self-reliant and prepared in an emergency situation. 
All right, y'all. That is all for this episode. A special thanks to those who checked into the net and provided us all the great information to share. God bless everyone. Until next week, this is Delta Zero Four, clear.